Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Today we'll be discussing racially charged next-door drama, isn't it always? A man who asks his girlfriend to butter his dinner rolls. And how to nicely ask a loved one to wash their hands after using the bathroom. Here to help me out is Josie Duffy Rice. She is a journalist, writer, and law school graduate whose work is focused on prosecutors, prisons, and other criminal justice issues. She's the host of podcasts including Justice in America and Unreform and Crooked Media's What a Day. Welcome, Josie. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited too, especially to hear your one piece of unsolicited advice. Okay. My unsolicited advice is not going to sound that controversial to a lot of people, but it is going to sound controversial to you. Okay. Which is you should sleep train your children. You should sleep train your babies. (gasps) Oh, my God. Um, I don't know that you find it controversial, but you know that the general topic is controversial. I know it very well. And I'm not sure what to say because I promised myself I would never discuss this publicly. Um, Let's just say there's like two ways to be successful with baby sleep. One is sleep training and the other is co-sleeping. So my baby sleeps with me. Yes, that I think is fine. Yeah, Yeah. so I get Mm -hmm. amazing sleep. Um, Everyone gets amazing sleep. Um, I'm a huge sleeper, and I I just knew that my mental health would tank if I wasn't getting sleep, which is also obviously the reason people choose sleep training. Um, I think the miserable middle ground is not sleep training, but not so sleeping. So you're like getting up, walking down the hall, padding, picking up, following all these insane rules. and everyone's tired. And everybody's tired. And I agree. I think at some point, it's like, as long as everybody is getting sleep, however that happens, is fine. But mm-hmm. it is, I have, I do know a couple of people who did the other room not sleep training. And I'm like, you're up five times a night walking across your house. That can't yes. be good for anybody. Yes. That sounds absolutely miserable. Anyway, let me stop. This is not a parenting podcast. Um, nor does anyone want to hear me talk about parenting with only 19 months experience. So Josie and I will dive into the questions people actually ask us after a short break. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudyplus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudyplus. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Josie Duffy Rice. Let's get started with our first letter. It's titled... At my wit's end. I recently married my partner of five and a half years. Truly, it was the best day of our lives, but there was one thing that I had been dwelling on in the last month since our wedding. My husband's two younger brothers, both mid to late 20s, gave best man speeches. The middle brother's speech was incredibly heartfelt and sweet, while the youngest brother's speech, however, was not. He talked about his girlfriend, roasted my husband, and didn't mention me or my relationship with his brother at all, except for the last line of the speech, when he pointed to me and said, never forget how lucky you are to be with my brother, cheers. To me, it felt like a huge slap in the face, especially considering the shocked looks I got from our guests listening to the speech. 
To add insult to injury, his girlfriend showed up to our formal black tie wedding in a short cotton dress that looked more suited for a day at the mall. I don't want to sound petty, but I took both of those things really personally. I have had issues with my new brother-in-law before. He is incredibly spoiled, entitled, and relies on his parents to give him money instead of working a regular job. He quit the well-paying job that I pulled strings to help him get after only 90 days. And in recent years, he has begun espousing moderately misogynistic beliefs surrounding women. Case in point, asking his girlfriend to butter his dinner rolls at the dinner table because, quote, she enjoys serving him. And, quoting Jordan Peterson regularly, he never helps, and when I visit, it's usually me and my husband doing the cooking and cleaning. He has also been insulting and condescending toward me about religion and politics. My husband does not have to deal with this at my family's house. My family adores him and treats him as an honored guest who they love. My in-laws definitely don't treat me like that, but I think some of it may be cultural given that I am Mexican and my husband is white. Despite this, I very much love my in-laws and know they love and respect me. Because of my great relationship with my husband's other brother and their parents, I've always kind of ignored the issues with his youngest brother, but I am incredibly hurt about the wedding speech because of how public and embarrassing it was. In my haze after the speech, I told his brother that I loved his speech, and I really regret doing that now. I guess what I'm asking is, how do I move forward here? Should my husband address this with his brother? He's offered, but honestly, he's not great with conflict, and I'm unsure how to direct him. Usually, I ignore issues with his brother and privately gripe with my husband, but I really feel like I'm going to snap at him at the slightest thing the next time I see him. I don't want to lose it or create a massive drama, but I also don't want to tolerate disrespect for the rest of my life. What should I do? Okay, so I want to start with the wedding toast piece of this. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to give people a lot of grace for a bad wedding toast. I agree. Yeah, you're a writer. So Mm -hmm. I feel like as a writer, it's easy to tell that um, most people are really bad at writing. Mm -hmm. And a wedding toast is a piece of writing. It's a speech. Speech writing is a profession for a reason. It's hard. Plus, the person might be nervous. They might be drunk. I tend to go easy on people when they do a bad job including making jokes that aren't funny and forgetting to talk about one of the members of the, of the couple that's getting married. I just think it happens and, and that can be forgiven. I totally agree. And I would also say like, it's only been a month since this wedding and that is Mm -hmm. not enough time (laughs) to decide whether or not you can get over this. Like it might be annoying now. It might not be annoying in a year or like a lot less annoying I genuinely, like, this guy sounds like kind of an ass, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I, too, am sort of like, the wedding thing, not only do I think most wedding speeches are not that great, and so if you get one good one, that's good, and it seems right. like they got one good one, but also I am sort of like, it doesn't sound like she expected him to be really heartfelt, because he doesn't sound like a really heartfelt guy, and so mm-hmm. at that point, it feels like, if you have high expectations for a speech, you should either, that probably wasn't your best call anyway to have high expectations exactly. or give some guidance, you know, be like, I would like you to do X, Y, and Z during the speech if that's what you want. Yeah. But I mean, then we'd be getting a letter from the brother talking about, oh my God, you know, this woman is micromanaging my wedding speech and he'd probably still do a bad job. Totally. Um, 
Yeah, I agree that it sounds to me like this speech is not the main problem and mm-hmm. not anything that requires a confrontation, but rather a symptom of this guy being a shitty person. Um, a larger personality defect. Um, yeah. So I would say no, no conversation about the speech. You got to let it go. Same with the, the black cotton dress. I'm sorry. The dress, you definitely got to let go. And you're coming out of a phase of wedding planning and planning Mm -hmm. for your big day and having it be all about you. And I think it's easy to get into the mindset that these things are really, really, really important, you know, because your wedding might become the center of your universe. But um, it's just a day to everyone else. And people are just having their Saturday and doing their best and bringing whatever personality or style flaws they may have um, to your space. And I think with some time, um, it will start to feel less offensive. That said, mm-hmm. I think the brother-in-law does sound like a jerk. And my advice to the letter writer would be to sort of pull apart the things he's doing that show that he just has bad taste in podcast or has right. a bad worldview or is unpleasant from the things that he's doing to you. Exactly. Yeah. That was also my thought. Yeah. So she says he's been insulting and condescending towards me about religion and politics. To me, that's the only line in this letter that's actionable, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. You can choose to push back on him in the moment. I know that's hard, but that's where having a husband helps a lot. I always think people should deal with their own family's problems Mm -hmm. So have your husband step in and defend you here, whether that's preemptively going to the brother and saying, we're getting together and I want you not to say X, Y, Z to my wife Mm -hmm. or by saying, Hey, leave her alone. That's really offensive when you're all together. Your husband can do a lot of the work here. Right. I totally agree. And I also think the bottom line here is you do not get to choose your family and you especially don't get to choose the family you marry into or like that's it's. Nobody wants to have an in-law that they don't like, but lots of people have at least one in-law they don't like right. and don't really get along with and and have different political views or whatever it is. Like, I agree, this guy sounds like a total jerk and that's kind of the deal with family. Mm-hmm. You know, unless he's being super disrespectful to you, like, I'm with you that you should tap in the husband or you should say like, hey, that's rude. I mean, it doesn't, seem like many people push back on this guy. So maybe it's interesting to sort of give him a little bit of what he's giving to. But I don't think the right response is like anger or sit down and and talk about how he is with his girlfriend or like none of that is really your business. Truly. Not at all. And it's only going to create huge family drama and probably a lot of conflicts that will be hard to untangle yourself from if you even get involved. There's the question, how can I avoid snapping at him when I still have to be around him in his gross ways? I think part of that is what I said before, deciding what are the things I'm going to speak up about or ask my husband to speak up about. And with everything else, just his being a weirdo, his being kind of a misogynist, um, asking his girlfriend to butter his bread, talking about stupid podcasts. I always enjoy just having someone outside of the situation, a good friend who I'm like Mm. kind of texting with the with the mm-hmm. updates and the complaints, yep. you know? So that changes you into a victim to someone who's gathering material to share with your friends. So it almost becomes entertaining and it allows you to separate yourself from what he's doing and saying and just become an observer. And you're right. almost slightly benefiting 
when he does something awful because you're sending it to the group chat and everyone is giving you great reactions and memes and laughing about it. Totally. I wonder if maybe part of the reason she's upset is actually about her husband and the Mm -hmm. rest of the family, like sort of loses respect for them that they let this guy get away with that, which I could see. And I understand. I mean, I know that feeling of being in a social, like a dynamic where you're like, how come this one person has all this leeway or like you guys, you know, but families are complicated and there's probably 30 years of background here that she Mm -hmm. missed or they missed. Um, And it, to me, I'm like, you got to pull this apart. Who are you really upset with? Right. Right. Is it that you're like, yeah. Cause I feel like maybe it's like, I'm annoyed that my husband's just sitting there listening to her, his brother talk about Mm. Jordan Peterson and not saying anything. I didn't even think about that. You know? And it's probably especially sensitive because she's just committed her life to her husband. Totally. So she's totally. looking at him with almost more scrutiny. This right. is the person I have to be with forever. Right. And he seems fine with this stuff that I find really awful. Right. Um, well, you've already tied the knot. So, I mean. <laughs> right. You've done it. Also, like, yeah. I feel like there was a few years there where the tone was sort of like, go to holidays and tell your family like fight mm. with your family about politics and like fix their view and i'm of the mind of like i don't you don't if you see someone a couple times a year or, or whatever like you don't need to try to fix them <laughs> yeah i don't think you need to go out of your way to get along with them if you don't want to get along with them or if their right. views um right make you not want a relationship with them or not value them as a person so i mean there were also the years when it was oh, everyone, you need to sit down and not talk about anything controversial Mm -hmm. so that you can maintain ties with um, your family members who hate everyone of a different racial background. And that's not important. The important thing is the turkey and mashed potatoes. I don't agree with that either. So, I I mean, if the husband was willing to speak up and say something, I would support that. And I think that would make him a great husband. Right. If he's not, I think um, she's just going to want to kind of detach from the situation and again, identify those things that are actually being done to her and defend herself and just realize the rest of it is not her problem. Yep. Okay. Our next question is titled Next Door Nightmare. I want to ask about something that happened a while back in my neighborhood. On the night of Halloween, a woman posted a video on Nextdoor of a minor taking a bowl full of candy under her arm and running away from the porch. The woman was requesting her and her roommate's bowl to be given back. My initial concern was that we were posting videos of minors, but the comments to follow seemed to me to be racist and completely out of line. This minor is a black female, maybe 16 years old. It's hard to guess her age because she's dressed up for Halloween. The first comment was, what a shameful, greedy little hussy. And I hate to say it does not get better. Looks like a hooker, for example, is a few comments down. Most comments refer to her as a thief. People go as far to say the video should be reported to the police and local high schools and that she may already, quote, be on their books. To me, it seems the outrage does not fit the crime. So I left a comment of my own to which maybe two people seemed to agree. I said, these comments are out of line. She is a child. I imagine if her mother does see this post, she'll be more inclined to protect her child from these outrageous remarks than she is to replace a bowl. 
I do hope you and your roommate can afford to replace the bowl and she didn't volunteer a family heirloom as your Halloween candy bowl. Most reactions to my comments say she is not a child and she is a thief. The author of the post replied, she is not that much of a child. Look at her hair and outfit. Not sure that is an appropriate, quote, costume for a child. I really hate all the comments suggesting taking this video to the police. Part of me thinks my comment doesn't even hit the surface of how racist and wrong the other comments are. Am I wrong in believing this is a harmless mistake made by a child? Isn't adolescence considered childhood development? So I picked this question especially for you. <laughs> I was going to say this because, question is very up my alley. Yeah, yeah, it's very up your alley because I know you think a lot about crime and punishment and what people deserve and what are the alternatives um, to the way we treat people who break the rules. Mm-hmm. What stood out to you when you read it? Well, I mean, number one, this is the most classic next door yes. situation ever, which Absolutely. is like you start to realize your neighbors are monsters. Yes. <laughs> like you are like, oh, wow. I didn't know that you had, you know, you would call for the death penalty for like a kid. <laughs> you know, like Just people are really crazy on next door. So I feel like that's part of this. But, you know, it is really fascinating. Like people are so quick to jump to let's get this person arrested mm-hmm. for a bowl. And mm-hmm. I, I bet it's annoying that someone takes your bowl when you like leave. Like, you know, I can see why that would be frustrating right? Um, and bothersome. But the idea, people just, racism just limits people's imagination so drastically that they just immediately go to like, this person is probably, you know, a hard won criminal. And right, she's not a child. Yeah. Right, she's not a child. There's weird sexual undertones. Totally. Um, that have nothing to do with what happened. And yeah, people always want to get the police involved. It's really totally. fascinating to me. I think next, and I read my local next door daily. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, I mean, next door is just Twitter and TikTok for old people. A hundred percent. And like all social media, it's just, it can be a really interesting and really disturbing way, um, mm-hmm. window into the way people think. And mm-hmm. I feel like there are these debates that always pop up daily, weekly on my next door. So it's, Kids are monsters and society is falling apart versus kids are just being kids. This is something mm-hmm. they fight about all the time. The second theme is a black person was seen in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and everything they do is viewed with suspicion and fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, other people are saying, well, would you react the same way to a white person in the neighborhood? And right. third is, this is huge. People should be publicly shamed mm-hmm. versus people should not be publicly shamed. Yeah, comes up whenever there's, because um, everyone has a doorbell camera now. So people right. are always posting footage of people who've done something wrong. In my neighborhood, they even post a middle school boy who's not following the rules of the road on his bike. Oh my um, gosh, like get a hobby, people. Yeah. And this this letter is just at the intersection of all of those. Yes, things. yes, all of totally, them. totally. So long story short, letter writer, I agree with you. I think you're right. We're on your side. If that's all yeah. you need to know, um, I vote for you in this situation. Do you yeah. think there's anything they should do or have they already done it by kind of just getting on the record with their perspective? Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where I'm like, what would a sane person do? And what would (laughs) I do? 
because I would <laughs> respond to every comment and uh-huh. be posting stats and asking questions and asking people if they ever shoplifted when they were a kid. I just would be trying to have people recognize their own hypocrisy, which is a fool's mm-hmm. errand in a lot of a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think one thing that's really valuable about next door is that it is kind of just a record of all of these interactions. And so mm-hmm. it's good to remember who says stuff like this. The one that I keep thinking about is that in my parents' neighborhood, there was someone who, a, a couple of black kids who are driving around with a truck of mulch who are like mm-hmm. offering to mulch, like put mulch in people's like front yards. And there was a post that was like, like mulch salesmen who don't look like mulch salesmen are like on the, it's like what does a mulch salesman look like dude it's right. like a couple of teens and like they have mulch in their truck like it's not i mean if you're not a mulch salesman this is a really long way to go to like pretend <laughs> to do this and you know it, and so reminding people like next time something happens and they are calling for a break for the kid who doesn't look like this or like mm-hmm. it's their own kid or whatever to be able to be like, hey, remember when <laughs> you, right. you know, like to be able to kind of connect people's immediate instincts um, in ways that make them realize how they treat people differently. But yeah, I mean, there's probably not much more to do than say like, this isn't a big deal. Although I do think naming the race part doesn't seem like she named mm. race. Mm-hmm. And this is about race because if this was like, whatever, a young white kid probably or whatever like or like imagine it's a 10 year old white kid or something or like a 10 like you're probably not going to say that they're a criminal there's this idea that if you're like a teen you're secretly an adult right right and it's just not true it's really you know what they always say in my neighborhood too anytime anything happens and the storyline closest to this would be that people have a lot of lemon trees and they'll sometimes mm. put out a basket of lemons and say, take one to the neighbors and then get mad when someone takes 10. Right. Um, right. <laughs> Which is like, this is the, this is the, this is what, I mean, that can happen. You just have to, I mean, the other thing is people really like to be like, to self cop. They really yeah. like to just feel like they are the neighborhood patrol. And I'm like, get right. over it. Like not they really going to follow like your it. rules. Yeah. It's disturbing. Um, in my neighborhood, the comment that always comes up, whether it's, I'm not going to lie, there are some more serious things. A lot of people's catalytic converters have been stolen in recent years. Mm. But whatever happens, whether it's too many lemons taken, people mm-hmm. leaving dog poop in other people's trash mm-hmm. cans, um, there's always a comment that says, what do you expect when you defund the police? <laughs> oh, of course. No, they love to pretend like the f- police just don't exist anymore. Yeah. And then when you're like, but they have more money than ever, it's just silence. Yeah. Know? And then the next comment is, well, I guess they would learn if, you know, everyone had a rifle and, you know. Oh, shot yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's where it gets kind of upsetting. Totally. And again, it's, a, it's a realistic window into the way your neighbors think. Absolutely. I think the other thing here is like, if you are in some sort of neighborhood group like this, I feel like you have to set your own boundaries of what you're going to get upset about. Like I do get upset about driving, people driving crazy. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, I have two young kids stop. Like, speeding. I don't actually write this on next door, but that is something, but I, like if someone steals something from my front porch, if I'm not in danger, that's just not going to be where I put my energy and mm-hmm. people honestly have too much energy. They're willing to spend angry about something that like isn't worth it. Right. Well, I appreciate you for being the person who goes and argues with each comment. I don't do that, but I go yes. and, and heart. I go and heart the responses that I like. 
<laughs> so I do think it makes a difference to keep speaking up. You yeah. may be changing hearts and minds, or you may just be letting people know that not everyone in the neighborhood thinks the same way. And that could be meaningful to someone who's reading who you don't even know about. Yeah, agreed. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show. And when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Josie, to answer your letters. And the next one is titled, Cheating Dad. My dad and mom have had a long marriage. There have been separations, but nothing legal or permanent. I came into this world after one of them. Recently, I was scrolling through the people watching my Instagram stories that were not said in private. I kept seeing one girl I do not know in real life who was regularly watching them. Her account was occasionally set up in public so I could see her posts. There were several that were of her and my dad together and her after they seemingly parted ways. My parents weren't separated during those times. I can't say I am shocked, but this stung hard. What do I do with this information? Get more from her in hopes there's an explanation? Confront my dad? Tell my mom? I took screenshots, and luckily I did, since her account is now set to private. Can you guide me here? This is killing me. My dad, who is often away on weekends, working, is obviously cheating on my mom, who I suspect knows nothing. Or maybe she does and doesn't care. So this fact pattern, someone's cheating and I know, do I tell the cheating mm-hmm. victim, is so common in my inbox and I probably should have a consistent approach to it, but I don't. Do you have like a general rule or policy when it when it comes to the situation? It's funny because I I was just thinking like this is so different than other situations like this. Mm. I think, I think that if I, if this were a friend and I looked and I saw her husband with some girl on, I would call her immediately. Right. Right. Um, I think that if it's your parents, I think the answer is to talk to your dad first. Okay. I think. Talk to the dad and say, what's going on? Or say, I know what's going on. You tell her first or I'll tell her. I think the latter one. Yeah. Or I know that this happened or tell me the truth. I think the complicated thing is that I think a good question for the letter writer is like, do you really want to know? Right. Actually. And does your mom really want to know? That's the tough thing. That's one of the thoughts that always comes into my head is that I tend to wonder whether people who are in situ- in relationships where there have been multiple breakups or perhaps past inf- instances of infidelity, um, have they decided to turn a blind eye to mm-hmm. what's going on? Mm-hmm. And are they just living peacefully like that? Mm-hmm. And would they actually not want this information? Yeah. But then people always point out if someone's cheating and they're having sex, the other partner is at risk for mm-hmm. sexually transmitted diseases. I think they're all now called sexually transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty serious. It can be pretty serious. Totally. I think the thing too is even if you want to know, do you want to find out from your kids? Right. Is a tough one. It's like, do you want, you know, 
if this is not something, this might be something that your mom does not want you to be part of. And that gets really messy. Like it might be embarrassing or it might be, it just might be complicated. I don't think this is something I'd want my kids, you know, breaking to me. And then also, yeah, in this day and age, you never know who may be in an open relationship. You never know. And also, like you said, some of this is generational too, like Mm -hmm. stuff that would maybe not be okay with us. I mean, who knows? Parents are, you don't know anybody's marriage is really a big part of this. You just don't know anybody's marriage, even people you think you really know. Mm -hmm. Marriages are complicated. People are complicated. Long marriages are messy. Like, it just feels to me like the burden here is on the father. Right. You know, not on the kid to like navigate and not on the mom to, you know, the burden here is on the dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, like, stop being messy. Why are you? Why are you on some girl's Instagram account that's open? Right, like, right. get it together. And the girl too. Yes. I mean, if, if she is, if she is cheating with this man, isn't that enough? You have to put it on the internet too. Right, right, right. And clearly, you know something because you're out here on, you know, on his daughter's or Instagram. Another wrinkle is that it's totally possible he's telling her, oh, my marriage is completely over. We're just roommates. Right. Um, My wife doesn't care at all whatsoever. She has her own stuff going on. So there's just so many possibilities. Um, I think I do come down on bring the evidence to your dad, see what he has to say, see what kind of a feeling and a vibe you get from it. And if you think there is something going on, you get the feeling it is a secret from your mom. Encourage him to tell her or threaten yeah. that you will, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think also saying to your dad, like, this messes up our relationship too. This is not actually mm. just, like, this affects our relationship. And like, now you've put me in a tough position where I feel like I'm keeping something from my mother, which is right. not fair to me. Like, this is a lot, this is a lot to ask of, a, you know, bringing it to your dad doesn't just have to be you, you tell mom or I, or I do. It can also be like, I want you to understand how this affects everybody else as well. You know? Right. And if you are going to do this, you need to do a better job. Have some yeah. respect. Have some respect Things and private. leave me out of it. Yeah. And maybe if the letter writer does end up telling their mom, if in fact she is someone who's decided to turn a blind eye um, or just not want to hear about things, then she'll say, oh, that's um, that's dad's uh, hairstylist. And they just grabbed a quick drink after his haircut and it's totally fine. She'll tell whatever story she needs to tell right. to be okay with it if that is the plan that she's chosen for herself. But I do have a question for you, which is what if her dad says, your mother knows no, no, this, we have an agreement or your mother knows, or you don't know everything that's happening in our relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then do you take his word for that? Like on that? Do you no, push him he's back? No, going to say that. I think you go and say, mom, I hate to have this conversation with you. I know it's not my business. Um, Dad, let me know that you two have some flexibility when it comes to monogamy. Um, I did find some evidence of that. And if it's not my business, just tell me. Uh-huh. If you want to know more, I can show it to you. Uh-huh. Okay. And she might say, may, hopefully she says, yeah, it's don't ask, don't tell. I don't want to talk about this with you. You're my kid. Right. What do you want for dinner? Right. Right. That's the best case scenario. That's best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, maybe she says, this is ridiculous. I don't want to talk about it. And then she's also letting you know that you're off the hook. So a lot of calling bluffs, really. 
mm-hmm. on stuff like this. It is this. a lot of calling bluffs. Anyway, letter writer, I wouldn't mind an update on this. I wouldn't either. This is Dear Prudence. We need to take a break, but when we come back, more letters from you and advice from us. Stay tuned. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Josie and I are about to tackle our last question for the day. Josie, are you ready? I am. This letter is titled, Skeeved Out in NJ. My mother-in-law is a very tidy-looking person and wears clean, hip-looking clothes and does her hair nicely and nice makeup. Her home is generally immaculate. There is one incredibly repulsive and mystifying habit about her that I get upset about. It's gross. She doesn't wash her hands after using the bathroom. I have said things like, can you confirm our hand soap is full? Or how did you like the guest towels we left out? Or before she's gone into the bathroom, I'll call out, We just put out fresh hand towels. She hasn't gotten the hint. It's very disgusting to me. How can I get her to wash her hands? It's such a weird thing to ask a high-functioning adult to do. I was just laughing thinking about the letter writer going, can you confirm our hand soap is full? And the mother-in-law just lifts it up and is like, yeah, it feels heavy. Yes, it's full. Also, after a couple of times of hearing, we just put out new hand towels, aren't you? Like, what is with her in the hand towels? I think as a mother-in-law, I'm like, what is your deal? Right. Also, wait, how does the letter writer know she's not washing her hands? That's the first thing. Is like, Mm -hmm. how? what are you, are you your ear to the door? Like, what, how do you know this? Maybe she's just using a small trickle of water to save water. Um, Or I'm just trying to be really generous here. Maybe right. she's just doing a mirror check in the bathroom or just taking a break from everyone. So yeah. at my high school reunion, um, I wasn't popular in high school and really cool. I wasn't a big nerd in high school. I was just regular. So I had nothing to prove. Right. You know, I didn't have to prove my continued coolness. I didn't have to prove, look how great I've become. I just wanted to see a handful of friends. So I was surprised when I got there and just felt incredibly awkward. It was like I never loosened up the whole night. I kept getting stuck in conversations that I didn't want to be in and not knowing how to end them. And as a result, I just kept going to the bathroom. I kept being like, I'm going to go. So I kept walking in the bathroom and I wasn't peeing. I was just standing there, maybe doing a mirror check, just honestly trying to get away from people. Right. (laughs) Someone told me at the end of the night that someone was like, is Janae doing coke? (laughs) She keeps going to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. I say all that to say... I'm just trying to be generous. Maybe there's something else going on. There's not the germs involved that you think are involved every time she goes in there. I agree. I think it's a little weird to know how often people are washing their hands. I just Mm -hmm. feel like it takes a lot of like surveilling people's bathroom habits in a way that I'm like, that's a little much. Yeah. Also, it's not clear to me like, look, obviously everybody should wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. But this is not a situation where she's like, she's cooking all our food or like, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. sort of like, why on earth would you <laughs> tell your mother-in-law that she needs to wash her hands? Like, I'm uncomfortable that you don't wash her. Like, that to me, I'm like, that's not you. If anybody's going to say something, it needs to be your partner, not oh, you. Oh, that's really true. That's really true. So I was trying to decide how big of a deal is this as I read uh-huh. the letter. 
and my research. This is what I went to Harvard Law School for. Oh, yes, please. I researched how big of a deal is it to not wash your hands? I mean, everyone agrees that most civilized people agree that you should. Right. But I was really trying to figure out how big of a problem is it not to? Like scientifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There really is an issue with spreading disease. That's what kept coming right. up. I guess regardless of whether you're cooking, you could bring your fecal bacteria hands and touch mm-hmm. the couch and someone else touch the house, touch their mouth. I don't really know. But I guess it is objectively problematic. But that's yeah. said, if people haven't been getting fecal bacteria born illnesses, right. and she's been right. doing this for so long. Right. That's the other thing is like, are you getting sick a lot? I mean, look, she should wash her hands. But that that to me, I'm like, what an unenforced error in your relationship with your mother-in-law mm. that like you're criticizing her. To me, I'm just like, this is, is this worth it? This can't be worth it. I don't think it's worth it. Um, I would say if you're at dinner, maybe keep the old pandemic tradition going and pass around a hand sanitizer before yes. she starts using the salad tongs. And- yes, getting near food, I guess just try to minimize the harm. Think about what the real issue is beyond just the mental gross out. And the real issue is her bacteria from her hands getting in someone's mouth. Yes. So I would take some precautions to try to make sure that doesn't happen. I think I think the solution might be offering around hand sanitizer. It's sort of yes. like offering gum to someone who has bad breath. Yes. It's hard for someone to say no, right? Like, no, I don't want to sanitize my hands before dinner. Right. Who does that? It is interesting because you're, what you're saying makes me realize it's not just that the letter writer wants to bring this up, but I also think the ways in which they are trying to subtly bring this up are not the best ways to do that. You could mm-hmm. even say like, hey, I've been sick lately. I got sick lately and I'm really stressed about people's like hygiene. So you could say to the room, like, can we all just mm. make sure we are wash our hands or you not know, to call them out. Right. That's a great idea. And then probably I assume that that would be a reminder. And maybe a little cute sign in the bathroom. I feel like they're yeah. looking at home goods in the back section. Yes, exactly. Especially if it's at your house. Yeah, at your house, you could be like, please wash your hands to, you know. Yeah. Like, do, but, you know, I just don't feel like you have to make it so direct to this person mm-hmm. who you are going to have to deal with until they die. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to minimize the gross out factor, but yeah. I do think you should pick your battles. Mm -hmm. And this should not be one that you decide to take on directly. Absolutely. Okay. Those are all the questions we have for this week. It's been fun and hopefully helpful. Thank you so much, Josie. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Listen to more of Josie on Crooked's What a Day as she and her co-hosts break down the biggest news of the day and share important stories you may have missed. New episodes are released Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. Eastern. You can also follow her on Instagram and Twitter at jduffyrice. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks with a special thanks to Maura Curry. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. I'm your Dear Prudence, Janae desmond